Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winter Fame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. The Entolamaginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery, glad to be back for another season and joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going, Will? I hope you're re-energised and ready to go. I know, it feels like it's been so long. December, it seems a long time ago now. I, I, GA is back, the Alliance League is starting this weekend. We're starting with the hurling. Are you excited as a hurling man that you are? Oh, geez, I am, yeah. It's, it's almost like... Um... It's almost like winning the lottery this weekend. And in our case, we actually did win the lottery because my father won the Burgi A Lotto on Monday night. He won six, six and a half grand. So it's been a good week in our household and it's only going to get better with all these matches on Saturday and Sunday. I saw that when you tweeted that. I thought that was a tiny little sum I thought for a club lotto. Yeah, it's a nice little sum. There's, uh, I think he's, he's on his way or he's trying to do some... Uh, some buying online I'd say it'll be six or seven heifers or bullock bought with that money I'd say I don't think I'll be seeing too much of it anyway <laughs> well great to see it go to a, go to a good cause anyway what, so what have you been doing with yourself what have you been keeping yourself ticking over with since December uh, just yeah we've been tipping away with the club there by ourselves so we're back uh, we're back next week at some stage so looking forward to that it's kind of it's almost like you know there's been a famine and now everything is kind of coming at once the inter-county is starting back and the club action is getting back albeit uh, not not as we know it, but uh, yeah, just keeping things kind of ticking over, doing plenty of racing was that punch of sound last week as well. So thankfully, I've been able to go and attend a bit of live sport. But it'd be great to be back this weekend. It's an interesting league, as uh, you know, as I'm sure we'll go into. You kind of have to hit the ground running straight away from the start. You can't afford to you know ship a few results because it's very hard uh, with morale. You have to keep it going. So I think although teams haven't had the chance to play challenge games and they're only back since. April 19th they, they do really kind of have to hit the, hit the ground running straight away it's going to be really interesting and it's funny like there's so many games on TV it's a bit like when the Premier League returned last summer after that big hiatus and there was this matches coming thick and fast like people were going to have to block off Saturday and all day Sunday basically to get it all in yeah I think you have to be clever with what you're watching as well or you'd be you literally will be could be burnt out every Sunday yeah. evening so. you probably have to be single and childless as well to fit it all in as well I'd say <laughs> that's true too and if you're not single and childless uh, you probably will be single by the end of it all if you're not <laughs> careful I'd say yeah no, no, there's a lot to look forward to, and we're delighted to welcome Vincent Hogan and John Milan for our chat ahead of the uh, Alliance League kickoff this weekend. Guys, how are things? 
Was it going well? And just in case some listeners mightn't be 100% up to date on the format this year, Division 1 is split into groups A and B, two groups of six. Teams will play five games each. And there won't be a league final this year. The two teams who finish top of their respective tables will be crowned co-champions unless they meet in the championship, which they'll turn into a de facto league final. The bottom two teams will play in a relegation playoff, which I think is the curtain raiser to the All-Ireland Hurling final, or at least it's slated to be at the moment, Vincent. So with all those kind of permutations uh, swirling around, you know, what are your thoughts going into the league? Are you expecting to glean anything, you know, particularly out of it going into the championship or is it just a way for teams to build up that bit of stamina ahead of the bigger tests to come? I think it's it's going to be a more interesting league than some people are making out, um, Will, because I don't think you can afford to just play these games as training matches almost and then bounce straight into championship. For example, if you look at Waterford and Clare playing in the Munster quarterfinal, they've got to come out of this league knowing very, very well what their first 15 is going to be. Um, so I think there's some very interesting games and we're starting straight away with the big one in, in Limerick on, on Saturday evening where for Tipperary, this is a really, really interesting fixture because over the last couple of years, there's no doubt about it that Limerick have had their number and have had their number quite comfortably. And I think that's a big thing for Liam Sheedy going into this, that he knows what people are saying about 2019, that Tip won the All-Ireland in his second coming, but they didn't have to play Limerick in the final because Kilkenny took them out in the semi-final. In that Munster final, Limerick beat Tip by 12 points. Down in Cork in the storm last year in the championship, Limerick beat Tip comfortably. I think it was nine points, but they were never in trouble. So for, for Liam Sheedy, I think Saturday night is, is a, it's a big enough game because he's got to convince his own players that they can match Limerick. And he's also got <clears> to find the balance between this core of outstanding players, some of whom have been there since 2010, and the sense that, Lim that Tipperary need energy and pace. So does he have players who can step up to that? I think for a team like Tipperary particularly, this is an important league. Mm. Well, fair play, Vincent. I'm already uh, much more excited for the National Hurling League than I think I was about two or three minutes ago. John, like uh, Vincent listed off a couple of teams there. Is there anyone you're particularly intrigued to see how they come out of the blocks? Your own county, Waterford, got to an All-Ireland final. Maybe people weren't expecting them to. You know, they be, Are they one of the teams you're intrigued to see how they maybe kick on or back things up? I'm, I'm, I'm keeping a, a close eye on the teams that probably underperformed in the championship last year. I'm talking the likes of the Corks, the Wexfords, the Dublins. I think Vincent's 100% right. I think, you know, they'll really focus on having, having a good league. And particularly Cork, I'm really keen on seeing where Cork are going to go throughout the course of this league and the championship. I think for Cork, I think they need to have a good league campaign. I think they have to have to approach this league. Starting Sunday against my, my own Waterford, I think they need to to um, build up a level of consistency where they're consistent in performance. And I think they are consistent in performance. I think the results will come. So I think for the likes of Cork, the five games, I think Kieran Kingston will be will be targeting probably winning three to four of those matches and then bringing it into the in, into the championship. So yeah, I think those will be the three teams I will be. Uh, keeping a keen eye on, I think I, I, I will be thinking three of those counties will, will bounce back. Uh, I think it's been well documented now. You know, you're even hearing some of the interviews, even down here in Wexford, that you know uh, things went wrong for them in, in regards how they went about their business. 
they probably peaked a bit too soon for the championship. And I'm fully expecting Wexford to bounce back. Um, and I'm expecting a big, big challenge out of Cork this year. And I think, to be fair, Matty Kenny, you don't know what you're going to get with Dublin. You're always asking the question, you know, when are they going to deliver? I thought last year was the time. I thought it was set up for him to go and deliver against uh, Cork. And uh, I think it's, it's year three for Matty Kenny. And I would be expecting that um, year three, he might get a kick out of the Dublin team. So I'm, I'm keeping a, a close eye on those three counties. Yeah, and it's interesting on Cork, you know, their their poor league record is often put down to how they don't hurl well in winter conditions. The league's in the summer this year, so who knows if that means that they can maybe put in a better campaign than they have in previous years. Michael, it's funny, we haven't even talked about Limerick yet. We haven't even mentioned them, the team that are looming so large. I think every interview I've seen has either been about them or referring to them. You know, are they the Dublin footballers now of the Sterling Championship? Are, are they that big a, a prospect for teams to take on? Are they that intimidating now, do you think, for the teams? Yeah, they're a pretty big uh, taunting prospect, all right? I think probably one of the reasons that we're not talking about them too much is we know what we're going to get from Limerick. You're generally going to get a very, very consistent level. They're going to play to a high level and they're going to be very hard-beaten. The thing that Vincent says there about Tipperary, Cork, the likes of Dublin as well, we're not really sure what we're going to get out of them. And I think that's, that's probably the exciting thing about the, about the league and coming into this year's championship as well. There's a lot of unknowns uh, hanging over a lot of counties, even Kilkenny this year. Uh, Colin Fenley, not, not, on, not on board. Uh, TJ Reid is, is 34 uh, in November I think a lot of their elder statesmen are knocking on you'd wonder whether the guys coming through are, are of the you know the similar level to the guys that they're going to be replacing so there's a lot of question marks there the reason probably we're not talking about Limerick is uh, you just you know exactly what you're going to get from them and I think what Vincent said there about Tip in particular is really interesting so you can't you can't go in and have a, a, a poor league run. You can't, you know, risk, you know, a lot of guys and trying to blend in guys. You have to marry that kind of happy balance of trying to find your team, not flogging particularly the older players, but also getting good results to keep the confidence high. Look at, say, the Galway footballers last year, uh, absolutely annihilated by Mayo in that first round of the league when they came back. We're struggling to get the momentum back going into championship. You have to... You almost have to find your team, you have to find new players, avoid injuries and get results at the same time. And I think the reason probably we're not talking about Limerick is, is because they probably, we know the strength of panel that they have. We know that they're going to be able to mix and match. There'll probably be 11 to 12 of their All-Ireland final team playing in nearly every game. They're just looking to find one or two more players. And as I said, yeah, we know what we're going to get from them. The exciting thing is that we don't know what we're going to get from the rest. And you're expecting a big bounce from Particularly, I'd say, Tip Wexford. Um, we're not, probably not talking about Galway too much. We generally have a fair idea of what we're going to get from them as well. It's the other ones. It's almost like, you know, in horse racing terms, it's the two-year-old that has only had one or two runs or he's coming in having his first run as, as a three-year-old. You're expecting massive improvements. You're expecting massive bounce. And I think we're expecting a lot from, from those counties, a lot of improvements from last year. And I think that's the real exciting thing about it. Yeah, Vince, I'd be interested in your opinion on Kenny. <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, there's, there's kind of two kind of competing narratives. On one hand, there was a lot of discontent. Discontent might be strong, but a lot of murmurings about Brian Cody's future. Owen Larkin, one of his stalwarts himself, I think, came out and said, is it time for a change? But then on the other hand, 2019, they get to a final against the head. 2020, they win the Leinster Championship, beat a very good Galway team who, who ran uh, uh, Limerick very close. I know they didn't probably kick on in the semi-final and they had a good lead, but on paper, they're good. They're pretty two good championship seasons. And yet there does seem to be a clamour for change. Yeah, looking at it from the outside, well, it is a bit bizarre. And uh, I think uh, 
Michael, myself, you probably were down in Hotel Kilkenny 2019, the week of their All-Ireland quarterfinal against Cork. And one of the questions asked from the floor was, is it time for Brian Cody to go? And, you know, I, I kind of found it a, a really bizarre question. As you say, they got to that All-Ireland final. They're the reigning Leinster champions. But I think part of the problem here is that most on Kilkenny, like last year, they lost two big leads, like Dublin almost caught them, having been miles behind in, in Leinster. And then, of course, they blew up against Waterford in the second half of the All-Ireland semi-final, or quarter-final, rather. So the, the, the question marks are there, largely because of that un-Kilkenny-like habit they've formed of losing big leads. But also, I think, because there is a feeling within Kilkenny that there are ready-made replacements, maybe. We've seen you know, Henry Shefflin win back-to-back All-Irelands with Ballyhale. We've seen Eddie Brennan do great work with Leash, getting them to, to an All-Ireland quarter-final. And I think that's part of the problem, too. There is this intellectual wing of hurling punditry that suggests it's gone very scientific and it's gone a lot different from what it was in the, the, the noughties and the late 90s. I'm not so sure about that. I do think that there is a feeling with Kilkenny, I think it was Michael alluded to it there, that they've leaned very heavily on a 34-year-old now, TJ Reid. They can't keep doing that. Are the forwards coming through? I'm not sure. They've paid a price definitely for Richie Hogan's injuries. And we saw little pieces of magic from Richie last year, particularly the goal against Galway in the Leinster final. Like, had they had a fit Richie Hogan to take some of the, the, the burden, I suppose, off TJ Reid, it might have been a different story. But you're dead right. I mean, they were in an All-Ireland final in 2019. They are the reigning Leinster champions. So he hasn't been doing a whole lot wrong at the same time. Yeah, John, what's your view on that? I know you've been pretty supportive of Brian Cody over the last couple of years. You know, are, are you surprised that some of his kind of former lieutenants have come out and, and voiced an opinion that maybe it's time for a change, or, or do you think they're right? Well, Vincent used the word bizarre. I would use the word bonkers. I think it's bonkers that they were even considering, you know, getting rid of, of, of their greatest ever manager, probably the greatest ever manager that, you know, ever, ever, you know, we ever came across in, 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 in the GA world. Uh, and I would echo what Vincent said. They're just not there with it. He doesn't, he doesn't have the personnel that, that, he, that he had before. What he's after doing in his last uh, few campaigns, if he's winning, winning the National League, getting him to an All-Ireland final, if Richie Hogan wasn't uh, sent off, they, they could have won that final. Uh, they won the Leinster, Leinster final last year, which was, which was an incredible achievement. You know, they, they, uh, they flattened the... the Battered as it's even against Water in the second half, likewise against Dublin. But look, let's let's not forget, you know, the environment we we we, we were playing under last year. You know, you weren't going to go any dressing room at half time. You know, Kilkenny players were coming up to the, the back of the Cusick stand, weren't going into a warm dressing room. So you got to take you got to take all all that into account. Uh, but I just think it's I think it's it's absolutely bonkers that that people are even suggesting that that uh, they, they should they should get rid of Kilkenny. Get rid of Brian Cody and, and and get someone else in. He's done he's done an incredible job over over the last last couple of years. Mm. I would just say on that will as well. The big question is like are Kilkenny underachieving with the talent that they have? No, they're definitely not. If anything, to me, they are overachieving. And I would I would stand up. Uh, Kilkenny win the league in 2018, beating Limerick in. 2019 and even winning the Leinster last year as three of the biggest achievements in Brian Cody's career. But yet 
there just seems to be there seems to be a clamor and like, like I said it wouldn't be a stretch to say in Kilkenny it's kind of 50-50 about whether he should be there this year or not generally talking to people on the ground um so well, maybe maybe expectation levels need to be lowered in Kil- in, in Kilkenny because they're, they're they're coming off probably the, the, the an, an unbelievable era on under Cody and look maybe the expectation is there that you know they, they should be winning all Ireland every 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 two or three years. I mean that's just that's just crazy. I mean you, you look at it. They haven't. When was the last time they won an under twenty one two thousand eight? When was the last time they won, they won a minor title? So you know he can. You know you can only play with the hands with the cows that you're dealt with and the cows that you have at the moment and look he's going to be down Colin Fenley as it is Walter Welch ain't getting any younger Richie, Richie Hogan ain't going to get any younger and, and I think this year I think there's one thing about Cody he always learns from a defeat and I think he will learn from, from the Waterford defeat last year and you know he will be saying to the lads that were, were playing that day probably left them down the second half and saying look there's no one going to be guaranteed our place you a couple more young players he'll bring in a couple more young players and I say you'll see a sprinkle of, of of, of lads throughout the course of this league. And look, I still think they'll be, they'll be a match for anyone. And Bernie's 100% right. Let's be honest with you, lads. Kenny didn't beat Limerick two, uh, two years ago. We will now be talking up Limerick going for four in a row. So, you know, down in Kilkenny, they want to be careful what they wish for. Yeah, no, it's definitely set up to be an interesting campaign from their perspective. Vince, another team that's intriguing is Galway. There's a good piece in today's Irish Independent, Donegal Boyle, talking to their former manager, John McIntyre, just about where they're at because you can kind of almost forget because Limerick are getting so much praise that they were level with Limerick or with Galway and Limerick were level going into injury time in that All-Ireland semi-final um, you know in 2017 when they won that All-Ireland people thought they would kick on potentially add one or two more they haven't been able to do that but do you think are they are they the next best place team to challenge Limerick what, what are your thoughts on them? It's hard to say, Will. Um, that was a very strange semi-final I think that game against Limerick um, it was level going into injury time they had lost Cahal Mannion to injury. They had lost Joe Canning to injury. We had the extraordinary situation of, of Joe Canning hitting four line balls over the bar. Uh, we'll never see that again, I think, in our lifetime. I never felt Galway were going to win that game. Um, and yet they were right there, right to the end. I think Limerick got the last three points in injury time to pull away. But physically, Galway are the one team that can go toe-to-toe with, with Limerick. They have the ability to take points from distance but I do think there's a sense in Galway that Joe Canning, um, Johnny Cohen, these guys, they're, they're not getting any younger. And for Shane O'Neill, this is a big year. They've, they've got to kick on. If, if they're going to be All-Ireland contenders this year, they need these guys to play, to put in big performances. And I think that's the, the anxiety in Galway, if you like, that the point is going to come where these guys step away. Now, is the... Are there replacements there where we saw, um, was it Evan Nyland come on in, the, in that semi-final and he was outstanding in the just brief little cameo, got a magnificent point, scored a really difficult free. There was a rumour he's not around this year. I'm not sure about that. But Galway have to kick on and they've got to kick on quickly. And what's interesting about this league is 1A is a much more difficult league grouping than 1B. You've got Limerick, you've got Tip, you've got Galway, you've got Cork, you've got Waterford. The general expectation is that Westmead will be the fall guys there and that they'll go into probably a relegation playoff against Leash or Antrim. I think Galway, they're definitely one of the teams that can put it up physically to Limerick. 
I'm not sure they were as close to Limerick, though, in that semi-final as the scoreline suggested. I always felt there was possibly another gear in Limerick to kick on if they were in trouble. Mm. And just interesting what you mentioned there, John McIntyre mentioned in, the, in that piece as well, that some of the key guys in that Galway team, I think David Burke was another one and Joe Canning, they were all around in his last year, which was 2011, 10 years ago. And, and on the injury piece, Galway very lucky that Joe Canning got injured in the semi-final last year, the semi-final in 2016 against Tip. He got a bad hamstring injury when the game was in the melting pot and he missed pretty much all of 2018 with an injury too. They're one of the best hurlers ever. They got it. They've been unlucky. Absolutely. And, but, but, Galway are in a very similar situation to Tip, I would say, in that they have this old guard, outstanding players, marquee players who, you know, it's not easy to replace these guys. So you have Joe Canning, David Burke, you have the McGrath brothers in Tipperary, outstanding players. But the McGrath brothers, for example, dual players for their club, looked absolutely exhausted come championship last year. Liam Sheedy probably looking at if I can get those two guys fresh into this championship and the calendar, the way it's designed this year, definitely gives him a chance of that. So it's striking that balance, both for Shane O'Neill and for Liam Sheedy, between these magnificent hurlers who have a lot of miles on the clock and bringing in energy to the team. And that's the challenge for both of them. Yeah, and for Liam Sheedy, some of those tip under 21 and under 20 players, I think people would like from Tipperary to see maybe a more of an integration. And John, what about Waterford then? Liam Cattles, what a first year he had getting them that all-Ireland final. Uh, like, would you be hopeful that a repeat could be on the cards, that they could maintain that level, or will it be difficult? I think, look, you're, you're a back to, uh, you know, when, when, when they got to the all-Ireland final in 2017, and the following year, it, it's, it's always very difficult, particularly out from a county outside the traditional counties of Corks, the Kilkenny's, and, and um, the, the Tipperary's, to, uh, to follow it up and get back to an all-Ireland final. Uh, you go back to 2018, you know, I remember Derek McGrath uh, stating that, you know, it was nearly, you're back down the end of the mountain and, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to climb climb the mountain again with, with, with all the other sides. Um, and that's where Waterford are, are uh, uh, going, going into this league and going into this championship. Um, you know, they probably came under, you know, they probably, it's probably last year's championship. Um, it was the expectation levels weren't there, so it probably suited Liam Cattle. Uh, and I suppose, look, Probably Wexford find themselves in, in, in where Waterford were last year. And now Waterford probably find themselves where Wexford were last year. You know, where everyone is building them up. Everyone is talking them up that, you know, they could go on and push on. And they're probably in the same bracket as maybe a Galway, Tipperary, probably a Kilkenny, where they can probably in those those group of teams where they're probably a couple of points off Limerick where they can push on and challenge. Um I suppose look, that's that's going to be the the, the challenge for for, uh, for for lean cattle is you know to get to, to rally the troops again, um, and are they going to be hungry enough to, to, get, to get back um, to those levels again and try and get back to another final? It's going to be very difficult. You know you're going to be down the likes of Porrick Man. He's still out. Uh, the Burke is going to be a massive loss. Um, Dara Fives is looking like it's not going to come back, and and Doc O'Keefe. Is after taking the out. There's four massive players, and um, but look, I think the one thing with with Liam Cattle last year, he didn't give out about any of the, the players he was missing last year. His main focus on, on on the panel, and you know, word coming out of the camp is that training is going very well. They're putting in some serious training over the last couple of weeks, um, and look, the game against Cork the weekend will, 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 be, will be very interesting. Just on that group, the group that we have in one A, you have you have Galway. You have Limerick, you have Tip, you have Cork and Waterford. You know, you go back to 
when Limerick won the All Ireland in, in twenty eighteen, they went up the Salt Hill. Galway were all Ireland were all Ireland champions, and they beat they beat Galway up 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 in Salt Hill. They laid down a marker. Um, last year, Tip were all Ireland champions. What the Limerick did were ten points down in um, half time. They came came back. They beat Tipperary, who were then all Ireland champions. They laid down a marker, and I think out of one of those teams, maybe Waterford, Cork, uh, Tipperary. Galway, they're all going to get a shot at Limerick in the league, and I think out of one of the four of them, I think one of the four of them are going to try and lay down a marker and say, you know what, they're not going to have the easy route of just, you know, thinking that you're just going to ha- have it easy and challenge, but you're just going to, we're just going to roll over and you're just going to pick up Dean McCarty. I think one of those four teams, you know, if they could beat Limerick uh, in the league, it would really set it up nicely going into the championship. Yeah, Michael, and one thing that will be interesting to see as we look ahead to the Allianz Hurling League is, is the rules about cynical play and, and the, you know, the tackle cynical fouling. It's proved a hot topic already. John Kiley, I think a couple of nights ago, talking about how he's not in favour of it, saying that it's a lot of work for the referees and that that was his chief concern, or at least he, he put forward that. What's your view on it? it it's it's going to be a massive game changer if a couple of these happen per game, just so if people aren't aware, if, a foul, if you're foul cynically inside... Uh, the 21-meter line or inside the D, it's a yellow card, a 10-minute simbin period and a penalty. Um, what, what's your view on it? Yeah, I believe uh, the, the rule has been tinkered with a small bit. Apparently, uh, it's only the player the player in possession um, has to have a goal-scoring chance. It's not a pl- an overlap or anything like that. It's the player that's being fouled has to have a clear goal-scoring chance. It's not, we'll say, you know, a player that could be played through on goal, through a pass or anything. It has to be the player with the ball. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, it's quite complex. It's quite complex. It's open to different interpretation from different people. There's going to be a lot of... There's going to be a lot of mistakes made because was it with inside the D? Was it inside the 21? Uh, was it uh, a deliberate trip with the hurl? Was it a deliberate trip with the arm or with the body? There's a lot going to come into it. There's a lot going to be open to interpretation. Uh, Liam Sheedy was on Tip FM kind of saying that the, the onus is just now on the skill of defending and making sure that the defending is very smart and it is going to have to be very, very smart because if you're conceding a penalty and you're down a player for 10 minutes, that's a, a game changer. It's probably three points on the scoreboard and given how easily points can be scored from out the field, it could be five or six points within that 10 minutes as well. If, you know, the, the team that are down to 14 men try and drag seven defenders back, like how, how much could Limerick hurt you from out the field? They could absolutely destroy you from out the field. They don't necessarily have to get in around the goal. So it is going to be a game changer and there's going to be mistakes along the way. Um, I, I personally <laughs> didn't think, and I have no problem saying I didn't think there was a big uh, problem with cynicism in Hurling. I think you can always pull out different instances. You can pull that out in different sports. Was it that bad? That we needed to, you know, push the nuclear button and do so, go something as, as drastic as this. I don't think so. I still think a penalty would have been enough of a punishment. But it's going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be a big talking point. I just hope we don't end up in a situation like like it is with VAR in football at the moment, where all we're talking about is, you know, the referee's decision. Was it inside? Was it outside? Was it deliberate? Was it not deliberate? So there's going to be a lot of controversy. That's just, just the, the nature of it. It's going to take a lot of getting used to for teams and referees. You'd hope by the time it gets to championship time that it will be fairly well, um, it will be fairly well worn down and everyone will know exactly what they're doing. 
Yeah, Vincent, it's interesting to hear Michael, you know, as someone who's played a lot of hurling at a high level, kind of talk about ask whether it was needed, because I've seen a lot of people involved in hurling ask that, whether a couple of incidents have been blown out of proportion. But conversely, people, like maybe from a football background looking in, saying, well, it's not just a football problem. Like, you know, you, we watch a lot of hurling too, and there is a lot of cynical fouling that kind of you can get away with in hurling. Like, which way do you look at it? I think they had to do something, Will. Um, I, you know, we've seen hurling people very reluctant to even consider a black card in hurling, um, as if it's a kind of a higher cast of a game than Gaelic football. I think there the, it is, Vincent. You know what it is. <laughs> well, I, I know that, Mike. You know um, I, I, I do think there is an issue with the, the, the lack of goals or the lack of an interest in scoring goals at, at the highest level. And I certainly think hurling without goals is lacking something fundamental. The issue with this, I think, is that there are so many different layers to the new rule. I think Shorsha Bulfin of Wexford, Davy Fitz's assistant, he's, he's touched on this as well as John Kiley. It's a very difficult challenge for the referees to get this right because they're, it's, a, it's a double punishment, if you like. It's a penalty and it's a sin bin. And you have to <laughs> interpret, is it inside the 20 meter line? You know, is it a clear goal scoring chance? It's certainly putting a lot of pressure on referees and particularly for referees. I think Fergal Horgan has touched on this. They're kind of going into this cold. And so it's an additional burden for referees coming from a situation where up to now they haven't even had challenge matches to, to, to bring this in. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I can see why people are apprehensive because it's a double punishment and it's a difficult one to interpret. But I think something, personally, I think something had to be done. I think hurling needs more goal scores, more, more goals scored, and more teams going for goals. Will, can I just ask John, like I'm wondering, John, if you were still playing now at county level, are you, I know you were always a good man to buy a free back in your day anyway, but you always, would you be like thinking about how you could potentially, in inverted commas, buy a penalty or, you know, be very, very cute? Like if, if, if you can concoct a scenario where you're able to win a penalty, uh, for a cynical foul, maybe draw a cynical foul on or kind of work that type of situation. It's a game-changing situation. Like, is that something you'd be thinking about if you're still playing? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and just what I used to always do is to always talk to the referee, get, try and get into the, into the referee's ear, you know, tell him that, tell the referee that, look, he's, he's constantly pulling me, he's constantly dragging me. And I think you're going to see an awful lot of that. I think there's one grey area with the new rules. I think... Uh, Am I right in saying this that you, you can you can tug the jersey, you can pull back the jersey, and it's not a black carrot, it's a yellow carrot. So Liam Sheedy has used the words, you know, you got to defend smarter. So like we all know there's defensive coaches, there's forward coaches. So you can bet your bottom dollar that over the next course of the next couple of weeks that you know the defensive coaches, you know, they're gonna be schooling the lads that if he breaks the line, you're allowed to pull the jersey back, you don't have to pull him down. You can pull the jersey back. So what's to say, Bernie? If I broke the broke past you, you're not going to you're not going to pull me down. You're not going to you're not going to wrestle me down. It's quite easy yeah. to just pull the jersey. I'm even seeing in in the Camogie home with my own club, Belisal, Beck Carrot, an extraordinary player, and the girls she's caught up against the school. She breaks the line and they just put they tug back the jersey, and she she doesn't need, it, it isn't being the yellow card. So I think that's the one that's the one grey area. You know, um, with the new rules that you're able to talk back to Jersey, talk back to Jersey, uh, isn't being the black card, being the yellow card, and you still stay on the field. So I think, we, you know, uh, the referees have got to be very mindful of that going forward. 
if I could have got close enough to him all, I would have pulled the jersey, but unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, and there was always the issue with the blackguard as well in terms of deliberate versus you know accidental. Even in the All Ireland final last year, when Aidan O'Shea claimed that ball, turned Johnny Cooper was pulled to the ground, but referee David Goldrick, you know, controversially just deemed it uh, an accident or a collision or, you know, not a deliberate one. So I'm sure there'll be lots of, uh, of kind of instances like that where referees might be caught between two stools as to whether it was a deliberate act of, of foul play or, or an accidental collision. As was just to, to bring our, our, our Allianz Hurling League preview to an end, Vince. So of the two groups, who are you looking at to, to, to come out on top of them? Well, look, you can't look beyond Limerick. I mean, their track record over the last few years, <clears throat> you know, it's it's I, I think John John is definitely is spot on there. You know, had they beaten Kilkenny, this is a team that would probably be going for four in a row now because they would have met Tipperary in that final, and they've shown certainly in in recent years that they have Tipperary's number. So they're in the toughest group. Um, they've brought in a few young guys into the squad, but I think what we've seen with Limerick is you know they've got, they've brought in the likes of Peter Casey, who you know as a sub last year, who who kind of would start in any other team. Uh, Seamus Flanagan, they, they have so much strength and depth and they have so many different ways of winning games. You'd have to think that they're probably going to top that, that, that group. It's not beyond the bounds, incidentally, that it could be a repeat of last year's league final if Clare get to a Munster final, that it could be Limerick and Clare again in a league final doubling up. Um, but I, the, the, that, that Clare, Clare, Kilkenny, Dublin, Wexford one, it's, it's hard to call that one. Um, an interesting game straight away, Wexford against Leash. They play in a Le- Leinster quarterfinal later in the year. They'll both be going for it down there. But the big one is probably the following weekend in Ennis, where Davy Fitz goes in with Wexford into Clare. We all know what happened when they played in the championship last year and Davy being abused by one of the backroom team from behind the dugout. Uh, Wexford completely underperforming in the championship last year. See D. O'Keefe coming out you know, in the last couple of days, talking about how they got it wrong. And I think this is an issue for certain counties and, and, and Wexford being one of them, where you have genuine dual players. And a lot of those Wexford players ended up with a serious club campaign, both football and hurling, before they went into the Leinster Hurling Championship last year. And they were as flat as pancakes. So I would expect a bounce from Wexford, but definitely their second game going into Ennis against his old friend Brian Lohan and Clare. And Clare, a Clare team, remember, who have John Conlon back, who have Colm Galvin back, no Peter Duggan. But they'll be keen to push on now as well. So I think probably maybe Clare or Wexford to come out that side. I think Limerick have to be favourites to top 1A. A few nice subplots there. Michael, what are your what are your predictions? Yeah, probably be looking at Limerick in 1A again because you know probably exactly what you're going to get out of them. I think, I think 1B is interesting. Uh, teams in 1A are going to have to be, uh, with due respect to Westmead, they're going to have to be on point for every game. Uh, they're going to probably, they'll all, they should all beat Westmead, but they're going to have to be on point. You cannot afford to, to go down to Limerick and ship a 10 or 15 point defeat or something like that. It's just a disaster for your season straight away. Whereas in 1B, uh, I'd say you could throw a blanket over, like when Vincent was saying there, you could conceivably see Wexford, Kilkenny, or Clare topping uh, 1B with Dublin not too far behind. Those teams are quite are closer together. So if anything, if you're experimenting, it might be easier to do that in the second group because you probably know you're less likely to take a pace and are less likely to take a confidence kind of sap and defeat. Uh, I think Kilkenny will... Uh, Kilkenny and Wexford will try and uh, particularly Wexford will try and get up to a high level very early and sustain it 
uh, when Wexford have gone well in 17 and 19, they were playing well in the league and they're able to sustain it and maybe a little bit of a rise for the championship. So I think probably, I, I'd probably go maybe Wexford uh, in Group B uh, and I'd have to, you'd have to fancy Limerick in, in Group A. And John, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, look, I, I echo Limerick. I think John, I think Limerick are where the dubs are under under Jim Gavin. I think they are where where they, where Kilkenny were under Cody. Like they were unbeaten last year. I think Kylie will be, will be stressing to his players that look, we're going to keep that unbeaten run going. We're not going to give any of our opponents any hope going forward in, into the championship. I'm excited that you know I think he's going down the same route. As as Brian Cody, he's introduced freshening up. He's bringing in three or four new players and a good player, a player to look out for is Cotlow O'Neill, very exciting player, um, who's, who's, who I'm sure will, will will get an awful lot of league time. But I, I do, I think Limerick will, will win will win one a. Uh, I I I don't think they'll lose too many matches. I think they'll want to keep that that winning streak going. As for one b, uh, I I I echo what what Vincent says. I, I think Claire, you know. You know, all this talk coming out of Clare is that, you know, and I think even, or with Darren Gleeson this, this week, I think he's been very wise, he's been very shrewd. He's come out straight away and saying that, you know, we, we can't underestimate Clare with all, with all the, despite all the, the, the noises coming within, within, within the county. If John Conlon back, if a young Shane Mean is a good player, Rogers has come, is, is another good, good up and coming talent. Um, as Colin Gallivan is another player. There's four players that they didn't have last year. And look, they have they have Tony Tony Kelly in, in the peak with his towers. I think it'll come between between Clare, Wexford, but I have a, a funny feeling that the Dubs might do something in the league. And I think that's an interesting fixture the weekend. If the Dubs could beat Kilkenny the weekend up in Parallel Park, they have Clare at home in Parallel Park. If they could win four out of their five games, so I think there might be a bit of value in someone like Dublin getting to uh, getting to the final. Um, so I would maybe go Dublin and Limerick. Interesting, interesting. And the, the season starts now, and isn't it great to have it back? Vincent, John, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for on the throne this week in association with Allianz. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a review of all the Allianz Hurling League action, as well as looking ahead to the Allianz Football League, which is kicking off as well. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Alliance supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.